running backs versus the state of the NFL. I've got a few star witnesses here. Au revoir, dear. No, that defense is wrong. Also, Otani backflipping the Yankees off. And Brown's crew fail. Stuck under the tarp. This is nightmare fuel. This is nightmare fuel, people. <laughs> I can't imagine any more frightening things in a sporting context than that. Tarp. At this point, just take the RB position out of the game. Criminal. They act like we're discardable widgets. That's Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. This is running backs V, the state of the NFL now. This graphic that's been going around by Luke Sawhook that's been shared by many average salaries in the league, running backs behind kickers. That's average, so consider second and third stringers. But let's expand to all the positions. Average salaries, running backs only ahead of punter and special teams player. At the same time, here's a list of previous biggest running back contracts and how they fared not well. And at the same same time, a look at the running backs on Super Bowl teams recently. That's going around, and it's a sobering look. So, to claim that Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and all running backs are not being valued properly, we go to our NFL reporter, Mina Kimes, here on how you hear it, and is it fair? It's complicated, Tony. As far as why it's happening, there's a few reasons. One, the NFL has become a passing league. Two, more teams are leaning on a committee approach at running back. Um, and sort of those bell cow, bats who we, bell cow backs who we get 300-plus carries are few and far between these days. And three, and this is something you alluded to, teams are increasingly aware that these second contracts don't usually pan out. And also that they can get commensurate production from guys on rookie deals. Last year of the 12 running backs, top 12 running backs in yards per carry, eight were on rookie contracts. Teams know this. None of it means that there is a wide-ranging conspiracy against the position. But that doesn't make it easier to stomach for me, not just because these guys are so entertaining to watch, but also because we know, I know, that when they put their bodies on their line earlier in, the career, they're, in their careers, they're rarely rewarded for it later on. And that's where I think the question of fairness does become applicable. Look, all NFL players have their wages suppressed starting in college, then coming into the league after they're drafted. It can take as many as six years to hit free agency. But I would argue that running backs are disproportionately hurt by this system because unlike some of those other positions, they peak in efficiency during that period. So any solution for me has to start with getting them to the draft earlier, getting them to free agency earlier. You can't get teams to act against their own self-interest, and these changes would take a while to kick in. But I think that's where the conversation has to begin. Let me just ask a follow-up before we get to this, the rest of this esteemed panel here. Mina, is that... An NFL team problem? Is that an NFL PA problem? Is that a league-wide problem? Or is it just at the feet of these yeah. players who are the running backs? I think it would have to take changes to the CBA. Unfortunately, this CBA lasts, I believe, until 2030, so yeah. it would take some time. But I would also it's also a college problem, Tony. I mean, running backs are arguably more important to their teams when they're in college when they're not getting paid, that strikes me as deeply unfair. As well. Bring a David Dennis Jr. here on what we have here, running backs versus the NFL.
it's just another reminder that the NFL is, is, is a meat factory, that you just throw people on the field and they get hurt and there's no sort of safety net for them going forward. $1.8 million a year for careers that may last two or three years is not setting anybody up for the rest of their lives and they're getting hurt and damaged permanently from this. You look at Jacobs last year, led the league in, in rushing, 393 uh, touches. That is 393 at least vicious, violent hits that he has to deal with. And we can talk about these teams and what they did when they got to the Super Bowl and when they got these quarterbacks that took them to the Super Bowl, but you also have to look at what, what they were before they got there. And a lot of times it's running backs like the Derrick Henrys of the world who was carrying these franchises and sustaining them until they get those quarterbacks. Uh, Jones does not get a, become a $40 million man without Saquon Barkley on that squad. And so you're not paying them for the time for what they have done. You're just, you know, using them and just discarding them like they're nothing. So these running backs are absolutely right. There has to be a change to this. And I agree with Mina. Something has to happen before they're out of these rookie contracts. There has to be some sort of escalator that allows them to get more money before they get used just up. Just for this one position, you say specifically, because of the timeline and in, in, in how a player's career is noticeably shorter for a running back than a wide receiver, for example. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can have these escalators across the board, but you cannot have one without having running backs at the top of that conversation. Pablo Tor, bring you in here on how you see it. Yeah, I, I do think it's unlikely, Tony, that the players union is going to carve out this special exemption for running backs. I think that every position group probably has grievances. I think running backs in particular, we are hearing theirs today and we should. It's meaningful. But I also want to point out two things. Number one, the NFL used to be a place that was guided by seemingly more gut feeling and tradition. And now we are in the language of analytics and optimization and efficiency. There are arguments that are valid as to why value over replacement running back is different, is resulting, therefore, in lower wages for running backs. All of that is true on the basis of metrics. I don't see a counterargument. Those Super Bowl winners, that list was instructive. But the reason, the second thing that I find troubling about this is that we, all of us humans, are a lot more like running backs. Like, I think it's true. Yes, the bottom line of the NFL means that running backs will be paid less. Cross out running backs, though, in those tweets or place them with Hollywood writers or place them with sports journalists or anything else. The bottom line is you can do a really good job, create great, beautiful art. I love Josh Jacobs. But the, the reality, the bottom line is that if you replace him with somebody else, there's an argument from his boss that he can get away with more for less. And that is troubling. That is bigger than running backs. But it's also everywhere. Bob Ryan, you've been observing this league now for the better part of uh, five decades, maybe. And what we have, to, it used to be you had to have the, the running back and you get the carries and then everything goes from there. That's not the case in the league anymore. And how you see it playing out with the contracts now for running backs. I'll start with the conclusion. The conclusion is, Mama, Mamas, don't let your boys grow up to be running backs. It's a hazardous position. We, my friends here have all outlined the, the state of affairs. Once upon a time, it was the glamour position, but we're a long way removed from back-to-back -back Heisman trophies by Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside. We're a long way removed from James, uh, uh, Jim Brown. We're a long way removed from, from a lot of things, okay? As a matter of fact, I counted 41 Heisman Trophy winners that were either running backs or hybrid running backs receivers. And the last one, guys, you ready? Derrick Henry in 2015. That's how deep into this thing we are. This is about an evolution of a sport. It's about the fact that it's a passing game. Look, we have other sports that are changing too in, the, in, a, in a similar way, but they don't involve body 
you know, dismemberment such as football. But in basketball, the old-fashioned aircraft carrier center is, is a passe, okay? Uh, and, in, and in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays reinvented baseball with the opener, and, and starting pitchers have been devalued. But we worry mo most about the, these guys to sacrifice their bodies the way football players do. It isn't going to change when they can get second-round guys to do the job. It isn't, it isn't the primary job. It's an adjunct to the primary thing, which is the quarterback. That game isn't – it's not going to change, yeah. guys. Not going to change. Now, you brought in some other sports, and, of course, it's not apples to apples. But when, you're, when you did that, I'm thinking there are NBA players now who are rotation guys or second unit guys who are making so much more than the best running backs in the NFL. We're talking double and triple. Bradley Beal is making five times what the best running back in the NFL will make this year. Mean, I'll give you the last word after the horn. Yeah, I hear you guys on comparing it to other sports or even other industries that Pablo said, but I want to zero in on something that is very unique to this position in this conversation. The average running back peaks in productivity at age 27 and then goes downhill. Everybody know this, knows this. That is unique. And because they're not allowed, essentially, to access the free market until they're past that age. They are in a position that I would contend is unique compared to other sports and often many industries, and that's why I think this is worth addressing for this position in part. Press tax here for the key players in this discussion this week. Josh Jacobs on the field for the Raiders week one. Mina Kimes? I think so, yeah. Saquon Barkley on the field for the New York Giants week one. Well, if he doesn't, those history of holdouts uh, is not very kind to running backs, which, by the way, is another aspect of this system that works against them. Yes. Bubenhorn will move on. Joel Embiid, on his Philly or anywhere else line, has given a follow-up, at least through hint, on social media. He said he was, uh, I guess, trolling is, is the word he used because it's his, his middle name on his social media handle. Sam Amick reporting... Embiid's camp has not shared any trade request or demand or any cantankerous message with the Philadelphia 76ers. Paolo, great to have you here today. Troel or yeah. no Troel? Good timing. This did not feel like a Troel. This felt like a cleanup, a recasting as a Troel. Tony, he was talking to Maverick Carter when he was giving this comment about winning elsewhere. And if you're going to do that, it's like talking about breaking up with your spouse to a divorce attorney and then claiming, oh, that was a troll. It's like, dude, no, that is LeBron James's guy. The Sixers fans are already in our heads about Joel. And so him doing this, it felt like him trying to clean up something because he just didn't care enough, which bothers me on the level of how much everybody else rooting for Joel and beat in Philadelphia obviously cares. David Dennis Jr.? It's 2023. Trolling is dead. Nobody trolls anymore. What they do is they mm. say something <laughs> they didn't mean to say, and they don't have the maturity to stand on that word, and they back down and say, I'm trolling. That's what he did. Mo what chances are, with all of these superstars, you're going to end up on another team. It's a very logical thing to say. But the problem is, with Philadelphia, is that Joel Embiid is facing a situation where two out of three years, he has a secondary star who does not want to be there, and there's all this front office mess. And this time, it involves James Harden and James Harden and um, Maury. And Embiid and the Sixers, they have to figure that out. ASAP, because he is going to be running that clock down to get out of that if they have to keep dealing with this. Mina Kimes? 
I agree with both of my colleagues here. This did not feel like a troll. It felt kind of like he was soft launching a power play, which is what bothers me. If you want to push your team to be more urgent, say it with your chest. Don't sort of say it and then back off and then pretend it was a joke. Just say what you want. Bob, you seem to be shaking your head. No, you don't see it that way. No, I think it's just, it's a logical thing. He's going to be 28 going on 29 next season. He's been around. He's been a bridesmaid now. He's been conference semifinals loser three times. He's looking at teams. He probably doesn't think any better than the teams, he, his team. He had a delayed start in his career. And he's looking around. And this is the time when guys are starting to think about, I want to win a championship now. And they're envious. And, and so what? It's just like, stop. But this is not new news. At all. This is just a logical utterance of a, of a player at that stage of his career. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm, I'm impressed to hear you say this. John Havlicek was doing this back when you were covering the Celtics in the uh, 70s? Was it, was this it's a, a different world. Okay. Was this a move from Bob Cousy's playbook? Did they have trolls back then? We'll take a break by ourselves next. <laughs> I think they used to call him John Havlicek. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. Fire sell. And with one swing of the bat and flip of the bat, did Shohei Otani make the Angels buyers and the Yankees sellers? Another rocky bottom loss for New York. Aaron Boone could have elected to pitch around Otani like he did earlier, but didn't. He said no, 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 no. He wouldn't do it again. But it went a long way to costing New York the game. It's home run number 35 for Otani, which puts him on a 60 pace. Does anybody know the American League record, the famed American League record? Aaron Judge way <laughs> back last year. Mina, buy or sell Otani breaking Judge's mark. I'm buying that he's got a shot. Uh, based on the pace he's on, he could definitely match it. But I'm also buying the fact that he flipped the heck out of that bat and nobody cared. We have come a long way since the days of Jose Bautista inspiring hot you know, days of debate. Frankly, everybody just appreciated this, which speaks to his awesomeness. Dennis Jr. 
If you ask me to buy Shohei Otani in blank, I'm buying all of it. I'm buying the home run record, breaking the sound barrier, breaking the billboard charts. Whatever Shohei Otani wants to do, <laughs> he can do it. I believe that, you know, I believe the only thing that's going to stop him from doing that is if these pitchers and these teams go full Barry Bonds mode and just do not pitch Exactly. Him for the rest so of the that's season. the second question that also applies to last night. They, they walked him earlier in the game. They didn't walk him in the seventh inning with the two run lead. He hits the ball out of the park. Would you have pitched around him last night, David? I would not. I would have avoided, especially look at this seventh inning and later home runs as many as anybody else uh, in the league for the past uh, few weeks. It's right. incredible. Oh, so you would have pitched around him. You just don't Bob Ryan, him. I see you uh, giving something here. Would you have pitched around him last night? No, I, under the conventional wisdom uh, on the 17th of July, with first base occupied, I would, I would have pitched to him. On 18th of uh, July, of August, if it's a similar circumstance, uh, I wouldn't pitch to him. Now, here's the deal. He, uh, uh, in order to get 62, he would have to get a home run every 10 at-bats and change, or every 12 plate appearances and, bat, at change, and change. Guess what he's averaging right now to get where he is? A home run every 10 at-bats and change. That's exactly where he is. He only has to do what he's doing. He doesn't even have to get better. He doesn't have to improve. And, and so I, I think it's highly plausible. How about that? Pablo Torre, how about you? It does feel like a perfect storm, Tony. The entire reason Otani was able to pitch and hit is because he went to the Angels team that actually needed him because they were so bad and desperate. So too this season. They got nothing else going on, man, and they're not good enough to actually threaten teams, so I can see a lot of at-bats in the seventh inning and later especially in which you might as well pitch to them because it's entertaining, because you're not really going to lose a lot, and because, of course, everybody in the crowd wants to right. see it. So, so I mean, does, does the home run race more than the pennant race mean the Angels won't trade him, I guess? That's, that's another question. That's all they got left. That's all they got left. Whether the Yankees will be sellers with the second highest payroll in the sport and the Padres with the third highest payroll in the sport but here's a story about the team with the first highest payroll in the sport the New York Mets and whether they could be sellers Joel Sherman wrote it up this weekend Verlander and Scherzer they both have had tough years high three ERAs they're both due 43 million next year on top of what they got this year Pablo buy or sell the Mets being sellers I buy the selling because the thing about being a guy with all of the money in the world, one of the 50 richest people in America, Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, is that it's not just good to be a buyer, it's good to be a seller. You can sell these guys, trade them, and also defray their contracts because all of the money in the world is yours. Think there's a market? You can get discounts, you can get prospects back, and I believe that, I believe Verlander, Tony, Verlander is a guy in the postseason that has his mythology. They will be a high price for that guy if they want to get rid of him. Bob Ryan, do you agree with that? Well, I agree that uh, they're both very desirable because they're each training upward. If I, uh, by the way, their ERAs are dropping from the, and yeah. each of their last five starts. And one case, almost a half a run. And so, uh, whichever one you get, one's 40, Berlin is 40, third shares is 39. Uh, I mean, but I think, but who is going to invest that much money, though? That's the thing. I mean, I just, even the Dodgers, I, mean, I don't know who would Need do it. Time? Well, I'm buying it because uh, I think it'll be less money because I do believe Steve Cohen when he signaled a willingness to eat some of that contract in exchange for prospects. Between the two pitchers, uh, I'd actually lean Scherzer as more likely to move. He has a higher ERA, but also a better K rate and has looked just slightly more dominant as of late. David Dennis Jr. The Mets gave it all last season. That was their shot. Now they are 
4.462 win percentage, which was the would be the lowest of any team that's won 100 games since 1918. Now they're looking at the oldest pitchers, third oldest position players. They got to just start selling, and they got to sell as both of these guys that they can and sort of rebuild from the beginning. What's going to be tough is you're looking at two guys who have no no trade clauses. They have incentives to stay. It's going to be hard to move them. Mm -hmm. Let's eat some of the salary. Me. Let's throw out a team like Baltimore. You're making a run this year. You got a very young team. You don't trade any of your current players. And maybe you get an ace late in, late in the season. Make it real. Cincinnati. Mina Kimes, Bob Ryan, real today. David Dennis Jr., public story. Thank you for your time. Showdown next. Around the Horn is presented by Corona. Please drink responsibly. Part of Happy Hour. Times, Bob Ryan, good luck in showdown. The Summer League has a champion, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They went undefeated the last couple weeks in Vegas. What does it mean, Bob Ryan? Does it mean anything in the big picture that could something, some, some of them could use this to tell their grandchildren? But we, we discovered Imani Bates, who, Imani Bates, who was once on the cover of Sports Illustrated, a 15-year-old high school kid, and who may, in fact, turn out to be as good as he was once thought to be. All right, that's something. Mina, how about you? Yeah, winning, winning Summer League doesn't matter, but finding young talent does. And I would argue that Cleveland has done that, not just with Bates, but also with the guard out of Utah State. Sam Merrill broke the record for three-pointers, and they need shooting. Both of you guys believe it's something, even though you're saying it's the championship, not nothing. That that blew my mind. Then let me ask you, who won the summer league last year? Ah, uh, we'll take the points away. That was the Blazers. We'll move on. Reds rain delay last night. Look at this. The tarp comes out, and a Cincinnati grounds crew member gets caught underneath it. Believe me when I tell you, this gives me nightmares. Mina, watching it play out here. You can play the blame game if you want. Is it the groundskeeper's fault? Is it the tarp's fault? Is it oh the teammate's God. fault? What do you got? Uh, uh, I think that this is a risk you take on when you sign on for this job. Although, I will say, now I have a nightmare that I never knew even existed. So, thank you for that. Bob Ryan? Of course, it's the tarp's fault, but it reminds us all this is a very hazardous occupation in that, at that moment, and that you have to be very conscious of your fellow workers. I don't think that he was, his responses were quick enough for him. I was going to say, how are we still doing this, right? Why don't we have robots to do this? And then I remember Vince Coleman, four decades ago, got run over by a robotic <laughs> uh, tarp at this point. Uh, Bob Ryan, 30 seconds of FaceTime, please. The people of Rhode Island and Providence in particular uh, have sustained a great loss this weekend. Bill Reynolds, their great sports columnist of the Providence Journal, has passed away. Bill Reynolds was unlike all of the rest of us in the business. Why? Because he could actually play. He was a star at Brown. He was on their all-decade team. He retired, from, he left Brown on their all-time 10 scoring list. He wasn't just a jock who could write a little bit. He was a terrific writer who wrote a book with Chris Herron, Fall River Dreams, which is a sports masterpiece about Chris Herron and his high school saga. He, he, I'm going to be happy to be, not happy, but I'm at his wake with many mourners tonight. He'll never be replaced. Thank you for sharing, Bob Ryan. That's it for today. Tony and Mike are next. See you tomorrow.